Hello and welcome to Instant Transmission's first installment of Instant Reaction. A new episode format where we plan on discussing Dragon Ball content in a much more shortened and off-the-cuff way. My name is Dayton, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Todd. Hi! And on tonight's episode of Instant Reaction, we plan on diving into a fan-made film titled Legend, a Dragon Ball tale by Studio Stray Dog. And hopefully you enjoy this new format, but with that out of the way, was there anything you wanted to discuss before we got things started, Todd? Actually, the only thing that I wanted to talk about here briefly is talking about Legend itself and its production real quick. So Legend took Studio Stray Dog four years to make. They were not funded. This is entirely a fan project. And they had only 13 people on their team. And that includes voice actors. So, I mean, we're going to get into it. But all of that is crazy considering what they accomplished here. Uh, And how Super had teams, like individual teams that were larger than this studio working on stuff. It's, I agree with you. It's, It's insane. Yeah, it's wild. But that's pretty much all I wanted to discuss about uh, the Legends Legends production. So I think I'm pretty much ready to dive right into the content here, Dayton. Well, let's dive into the first scene, which is a shot of Planet Vegeta. And right off the bat, it looks great. It's a colorful shot with reds and purples. And the thing that really stood out to me was the shadow detail on the shots of Planet Vegeta were incredible. It's something that I haven't really seen in Dragon Ball. And it's something that I can say that Studio Stray Dog just knocked it out of the park. It's really cool. There's something about the the animation and the line art and the color, uh, how it's maybe a little bit desaturated, that really makes it feel like it came straight out of the 90s. And I absolutely love that. Yeah, and I have to give them credit because there's there's always something with most fan-made animations where you you can almost tell the tool they used to put color on stuff. You can see this rough gradient that goes across the landscape or something like that, but this is all blended very well and it looks very, very organic. And so I have to give them props. Just these, it's a couple shots of planet Vegeta, but they're very detailed and very well done. You can tell there's a lot of care that's put into them. Yeah. And it, basically immediately shows us the the throne room on planet vegeta which is a really cool shot because we get to see both nappa and raditz standing beside the the doorway to the throne room they're both holding pole arms of some kind wearing what we know to be the very traditional saiyan armor and there's the symbol of the Saiyans on the door, but it's also set up to look a little bit like a crown too, which is just like, oh, the attention to detail here is superb. It's so fun. And the the crown is, of course, being held by any Dragon Ball fan would know would be King Vegeta. And it's the way that they do these characters already when we've seen, we've got a little shot of uh, the, uh, Raditz and Nappa standing by the door, and now we get King Vegeta. They're they're very similar to their original art and renditions, but you can already tell that this studio is kind of taking its own stylistic approach to it. They're making something that's familiar, but also brand new. Exactly. Yeah. Because 
I mean, we get just the distant shot of Nappa and Raditz, but they look pretty similar to what they normally look like. King Vegeta, while absolutely recognizable, it's it's definitely their own take. Studio Stray Dog's own vision of what he would look like. And I think we kind of get a a little silhouette shot of our prince as it seems like the crown might be getting passed on to Prince Vegeta, who might now be our king. Yeah, and it's it's a short and sweet scene because they they pan away from there fairly quickly and we arrive at what looks pretty obviously to be the World Martial Arts Tournament. There are people outside kind of hustling around and the first note I have here is how vibrant this animation is. The colors all pop. They're they're in your face. They're the yellows are very bright yellow and the greens are very deep greens and there's almost this like digital brush stroke style that's applied to it where the lines aren't necessarily very fine. They're a little rougher than that around the edges. Yeah, and I actually like that. It has kind of like a sketchy line art look to it. And all the while that we're seeing like these different cuts of Earth in the World Martial Arts Tournament, we get a cut of a poster on the wall showing one of the matches in the tournament, which for Dragon Ball fans, we clearly know is Goku versus Chi-Chi. And you can also see a wanted poster of Demon King Piccolo in the background, too, which is, again, (laughs) these guys are clearly... Big Dragon Ball fans. Lots of attention to detail. Yeah, and it's it's already kind of super fun. The environment's being set, and from there we pan into our our opening, I guess, tournament shot of Goku and Chi-Chi facing off against each other. And Chi-Chi is upset and mad, which is pretty normal for Chi-Chi. But she's upset and mad because Goku has forgotten a certain promise that he had made to her. Yeah, while Chi-Chi's trying to beat the shit out of Goku, she reminds him that he promised to marry her, and he doesn't even remember who the hell she is. I I don't know why. That did make me chuckle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They they do a great job of, of kind of staying true to the characters, and I know this is a short animation, so they don't have a lot of time to do it. And I want to give them credit because this is very clever storytelling because you get the the dynamic of these characters in very small bite-sized forms. You can't get the full character when you've only got, what, what is this animation? If you discount the credits, it's less than 10 minutes. So I, I like this. I think it's a very clever way to get across the the nature of Goku and Chi-Chi. It's really well done. I I think obviously Dragon Ball fans are going to to recognize not only this scene but also our characters and understand their their dynamic here, but it's it, it does give us a lot of that information in a very short period of time. I also want to point out too as we're getting to see these characters for the first time two things. One, again, the character designs are are very similar but also different like goku is not wearing the orange gi pants he's got something like of a gray blue with some white wraps and some what would maybe like kung fu or martial arts shoes it's it's just subtly different it looks great i absolutely love it uh and also secondly the voice actors here 
do a great job. They are not trying to directly emulate the characters of Goku and Chi-Chi in the dub, which I think honestly is a good choice. They're just trying to do something that would be maybe close or appropriate for those characters. And I think it's really well done. The the personality of the character with the voice versus trying to emulate the voice actor of that character. I think honestly, I a hundred percent agree with that. I think it's a great, and honestly, DBZ bridge kind of turned me on to that idea of don't worry so much about sounding like the character sound like a voice that that character could have be the voice of that character. And it's kind of, it's taken me a while to kind of wrap my head around that. But like I said, abridged really opened my eyes up to that. And I think that this animation did honestly as good as you could have asked as far as the job goes on this. Yeah. Yeah. The voice actors just deliver a great performance here, but we kind of move forward. The fight between Goku and Chi Chi gets interrupted as a green key blast soars between them, seemingly murdering people in the audience behind them. And this cloaked figure dives into the arena, uh, clearly not one of the combatants for this this round of the tournament, but attacks Goku, uh, and Chi-Chi kind of jumps into the way. She gets knocked away from Goku out of the arena, uh, and then Goku starts a short tussle with this cloaked figure. Yeah, and it's it's a brief exchange, and right away you can tell that there's a lot of thought and effort put into the animation. It's The movement is very well blended together, and you only get a very brief moment of the blurred fists swinging at each other during this little bout that they're having. And I don't mind it. Actually, I appreciate that they put that in there. They could have animated every strike, every blow for every part of this. But they did choose to take a moment to do the blurred fists going at each other because every Dragon Ball fight in the history of Dragon Ball fights has at least some amount of that. And so it's almost like a nod to that. And then they go back to animating each of the individual blows and techniques. And so I actually really respect it. Yeah, the blurred fists is iconic in Dragon Ball, right? So it's great that they have that for just a brief couple of seconds. And beyond that, I mean, the the fight animation is beautiful here. It's very reminiscent of Dragon Ball. It's something that you would expect to see in Dragon Ball. Uh, But it's, I mean, in many ways, it's better. Like, it's incredibly well done. but. Goku is really taking the worst of this beating from this cloaked figure. The figure ends up firing a key blast at Goku that he, he blocks, but it, it renders him helpless on the ground. And we hear this cloaked figure as he charges another key blast over Goku's body. S- say the name Kakarot. <laughs> I love it. I freaking love it. We do get kind of an interruption in the action between this cloaked figure and Goku, though, as a Saiyan drop pod crashes in, careens in from the sky, crashing into the arena floor. And we get a moment of the all-too-familiar layout of the Saiyan scouter kind of pop up on screen, and it scans Goku, and his power level's like 500 and dropping. And then it scans this cloaked figure... And it's 3,000, 7,000, 9,000, 9,001. (laughs) 
And it pauses there for a moment before careening off into legend level, power level. I love just the quick little just joke in there before they go off to the next stage. So this whole scene is beautiful. Again, the attention to detail. So Goku's power level shows up like at about 3.30 as he's, you know, weakened on the ground, which is about the power level that he had when he fought Raditz. And this is close to the same time period. So, Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. That is good attention to detail, actually. Yeah, really well done there. And then, while the over 9,000 jokes have probably been overdone at this point in the Dragon Ball fan base, this is such a subtle over 9,000 joke. And it's just a split little second. And the timing is beautiful with the the number for the power level stopping at 9,000 and then just beep going just barely over <laughs> 9,001. <laughs> so well done. They're bringing it back. They're making it cool again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this Saiyan pod, it finally opens up and it reveals not King Vegeta, but Vegeta Vegeta. And we get this kind of monologue from Vegeta as he emerges from his Saiyan pod. And he says, the green light, the gold you fashion. It's not every day a king leaves his throne. But for you, I make a royal exception. And I love the grand eos of Vegeta showing up. And it's also sounding like fighting words to me. So it does everything I want in just one little line like that. I mean, there's there's not a lot of dialogue in this, right? It's like you said, it's less than 10 minutes. It's a lot of action. But the dialogue that is here is well written. It's a, I mean, it's you could call it cliche and over the top, but that's kind of what you expect out of Dragon Ball in a way. Right. And it's while it it feels very fitting for a Dragon Ball setting, it feels very in many ways pompous, like proud if you would for our saiyan prince or now king and he basically tells broly uh, well as we know to be broly Uh oh cats out of the bag that's right because we get a couple of very cool title sequences uh as we get these japanese characters or the letters coming up behind vegeta as well as the saiyan legend broly uh and these title sequences are so cool. This Don't they very feel very comic book to you or very manga to you? Absolutely. I mean, like old school anime style. Like I could imagine Studio Trigger, who does Kill a Kill and Gurren Lagan, doing this exact sequence. It's beautiful, and it works really well too here because I feel like that kind of the animation's a little bit more gruff, like less hard lines and more brush strokes, kind of like how I mentioned earlier. And so having those references to those animes that were kind of animated that way to begin with, I think it works. Like, I think it's, they're not trying to just recreate Dragon Ball. They're trying to do their own take on it. And they're not shying away from going a little bit away from the original content. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is a good choice here. And we'll kind of see that as the action starts to kick up with, Broly going from uh, throwing off the cloak, going from his base form and immediately jumping into his legendary Super Saiyan form as he just hulks out. Uh, You can see kind of on his chest, the scar on his chest, which is kind of a good nod to the scar that Goku left on his body when he punched him in the first movie. Uh, And then 
but it, it glows green with his usual green key as he expands in size. It just looks beautiful. And we get a uh, uh, Vegeta tossing away his coat as well, but it lands on the lusting uh, lap of Bulma sitting in the crowd, which I thought was kind of hilarious. A nice little detail there again. I mean, <laughs> even with Yamcha sitting beside her, which I got a little chuckle out of. But <laughs> we... we do get something interesting, though, right off the bat here that tells us that this is a much different Dragon Ball story. We get... Broly just kind of powering up, raging up in that that iconic green energy that we've seen him in. And something that really caught me off guard is this is our Vegeta and Goku's first time meeting, right? And so this is a whole new rendition of the storyline where Vegeta immediately kicks the power level up to what looks like Super Saiyan. And I, I had to watch this whole thing a couple times to really wrap my head around what was going on because this caught me off guard and it really showed me that this is an entirely different timeline or, or rendition or something, whatever it is. Absolutely. This is so cool because Vegeta here has his hair tied up. He still has his tail. And so we get to see his tail flash gold, his hair flash gold. And then he powers up snapping the hairband in his hair as his hair turns almost into like a golden flame. And his, usual brown tail also turning gold such a cool visual and that's when vegeta charges broly really kicking off this fight yeah and right away you notice that the animators are taking like painstaking detail to let you know that every one of these blows that land are weighty when a when a fist collides with somebody there's almost like energy or something that pours out the back of them like their bodies shake you can see the indent of the fist actually making contact with the opponent and it really makes you feel like that every single one of these punches is dealing damage or having an effect and i really like that little detail because it it's right off the bat as soon as they start exchanging yeah it's it's so good i also have to say the the illusion of speed in the animation so well done, like especially because we've got this much smaller figure in Vegeta fighting against this hulked out Broly. And they really do a great job of showing Vegeta as the faster of the two. Not to say that he's weak by any means. He's at first kind of knocking Broly around, but he's also dancing around Broly's attacks and just moving away from him. Each time he dashes away, there's this trail of light behind his feet. I, I just continuously going to gush over the way this is animated. It looks great. The other thing, too, that I absolutely loved is as the fight kind of keeps going forward and, like, the the footing kind of changes and, and Broly starts kind of pushing an advantage, we see Broly landing hits on Vegeta, and these hits are so heavy, so weighty, that they actually knock Vegeta out of his Super Saiyan form for a brief moment. And he has to kind of regain concentration and go back into it. I wish Dragon Ball would just adopt that period to show you that these forms require concentration and discipline and technique. And when you take a heavy blow like that, it interrupts that. It's such a great idea i this is one of those things where the animation or the story or whatever they did a better job than the original content on that idea and i have to nod the cap to them 
Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's over the sequence of just a, like 10 seconds where Broly just smacks the shit out of Vegeta. Like, bitch, I'm going to slap the Super Saiyan out of you. <laughs> and just, I mean, you see his hair change from gold to black and then he charges back up to gold again. And it happens two or three times over about 10 seconds. It's awesome. Like, it looks great. You get the feeling of, of Vegeta really having to exert and push himself really hard beyond his limits. So cool. Uh, there's a sequence too with Vegeta, like I could only call it almost imagining like uh, Super Smash Brothers of juggling somebody, but the inverse of juggling them into the ground where he's just bouncing Broly <laughs> like a fucking basketball into the floor of the arena. So cool. We do, uh, speaking on the rule of cool, we get to the later stages of Vegeta and Broly's fight, and we see goddamn Vegeta whipping out an energy blade, which, okay, energy swords are, swords are cool. Can we just, like, say that as a rule of thumb? Swords are cool? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's the, the internet 100% agrees. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, getting to see an energy sword, I mean, it's... In some ways, it's reminiscent of Vegito is what comes to my mind. I thought the same thing, yep. But it turns into Vegeta dancing around Broly once more and slicing off one of his arms, which is uh, not only hardcore, but not something you'll see very often in our normal canon Dragon Ball. I also can't remember the last time I saw blood in Dragon Ball, so it was refreshing to see. Modern day Dragon Ball doesn't have a lot of it, unfortunately. But like, just uh, do it the way it needs to be done. Like, make me some good. I don't mind a little darkness in my Dragon Ball, so please sprinkle it in. I want it. Oh yeah, I I love when we get uh, a little bit of maiming and dismemberment. <laughs> but <laughs> I will say it's a good thing that Broly was equipped with two arms, though, because with Vegeta slicing one off, Broly is just even more pissed off at this point and grabs him by the throat with the other arm and just slams him into the floor of the arena. And it's at this point, we kind of get Vegeta doing something that I never would have expected. And that's pleading with Kakarot to kind of step in. This was bizarre to me. I, like I said, I had to watch this thing twice because I, uh, this is a different world. It's definitely a different world. It's not something that we would expect to see of our normal, very proud Prince of the Saiyans. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, I was worried here because up to this point, we're about halfway through, maybe a little more than halfway through this animation. And I was worried. Well, first off, I was like, oh, awesome. You know, Vegeta is getting to be the hero and the badass. And then he's pleading out to Goku. And I'm like, no, please Please don't do the same thing that happens in every Dragon Ball fight where Goku saves Vegeta. <laughs> if there's one trope you don't have to bring back, it's that one. Please, for the love of God. Yeah. But it this is a different rendition, right? This is a different interpretation of Dragon Ball. And so we get Vegeta kind of being overpowered by Broly. And it's actually Chi-Chi who's the next person to step in. And um, she could basically... Her attack is basically just like the squeaky toy noise. Like it just, you know, beep. And Broly, not impressed by it, like grabs her by the arm. This part, it's like a little bit brutal where he like takes her and slams her awkwardly into the ground. And it makes it look like Broly just freaking broke her arm and just, yeah, just threw her down like a rag doll. 
Oh, you hear the snapping. Like, I was shocked when I first saw it. I was like, oh, oh, God, that's brutal. Uh, and this this is kind of the triggering effect here for Goku or Kakarot as we get to see him enraged as his soon-to-be wife uh, is writhing in pain on the ground. And this next scene is such a great nod to our original Super Saiyan transformation on Namek as the sky turns black, lightning comes striking down, and we even get the same profile view of Goku's face. It's wonderful. Yeah, it feels super iconic. And honestly, it feels like it was going to go in that same direction, but this time it's a little bit different. Goku's body begins to be enveloped by what looks like a flame that burns and scorches his skin as it engulfs him. He breathes fire and it actually kind of sets his, well, his head on fire. And he turns into something much more bestial is the only way I can put it. Yeah, I mean, the visuals here are great with the transformation as his body is like almost looking like charred lava across his chest and then he spits out flames that engulf his head and then turns into a golden hair but almost more like fire and he he turns around looking like a flaming monkey with his golden tail uh and flaming eyes and he even at this point as he attacks Broly, he looks like he leaps at him running on all fours like a monkey. And this is a great nod to, I mean, just Sun Wukong, the the origins uh, or the inspiration for Goku in the Journey to the West, which is, I mean, really cool for a transformation. What I thought of when I first saw this is I think I saw this in Naruto once. I'm not going to lie, I definitely <laughs> felt like it had some Naruto vibes to it. But especially, I mean, I've I've been following the manga. The manga has some new transformations in it. The the new Dragon Ball superhero movie has some new transformations in it. I like this transformation because it's something different. <laughs> it is. It really is. And I have no problem um, leaning into this direction and this kind of style of story, if it means we get something new, because I think the we've had how many different versions of Super Saiyan at this point. Like I, even Ultra Instinct just feels like slightly better Super Saiyan to me. Like it's not it's not interesting. It's not different. This is at least interesting and different. That's how I feel. I, I mean, I, I'm. We're recording a Dragon Ball podcast. We are clearly huge Dragon Ball fans. I am, however, tired of the fact that the transformations in Dragon Ball are just a palette swap. Like, yeah. they're just changing the color of their hair. And I mean, sure, I, I get hyped about it in the moment, but I'd love to see something visually different. I um I don't think I was completely sold on this style, but I will say Vegeta mentions a line a little later that makes me kind of want to know more. That this doesn't feel like it's just for artistic effect, that maybe there's more thought behind this. And there might be, if they do more animation, there might be more to look forward to. And I'll come back to this, but like I said, it's 
I thought this was neat, but something that I had seen before. And then Vegeta mentions something later, and it makes me much more interested. Yeah, I can see that. The fight here between Broly and Goku as it continues is really cool to watch because, I mean, Goku's fighting like a wild animal. He's running across the ground. I wish it was ground. longer than like 10 seconds. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it looked really good. I, I wanted more. Yeah, it's great. He's spinning in the air like a flaming top, uh, and he knocks Broly through the wall of the arena, and then Broly decides to retaliate with another giant key blast. And that, thankfully, is where our prince, or now king, gets back up to assist Goku against Broly. Yeah, and their their combined efforts manifest in a way that, once again, caught me off guard. We get Vegeta and Goku leaping in together, and they combine their efforts into a Kamehameha wave, which is really interesting. But this Kamehameha wave is met with the key blast from Broly, and we get this kind of like animation of this, I guess, dragon's head on like a serpentine body and key energy, kind of wrapping around the energy blast, eating Broly's um, key, and then giving Broly the old Team Rocket's blasting off again treatment. Yeah, and I I mentioned that I had a, a few minor qualms about things that they changed to Dayton earlier. Uh, one of my biggest qualms is the fact that Vegeta uses the Kamehameha, but it is a different universe. Like, maybe the Kamehameha is something different. Maybe it's not taught by Master Roshi. Maybe it's, you know, a generic key blast thing. Who knows? But minor complaint very cool visual with the key blast kind of like being eaten by Goku and Vegeta's key blast. Uh, and that kind of dispatches our antagonist here for the moment as Goku, his form returning to mostly normal runs over to Chi Chi and expresses that, Oh, you know, I remember you now we were supposed to get married. You're Chi Chi, right? <laughs> And Vegeta, not really having time for Goku dealing with women and stuff, um, kind of looks down and says, like, we got stuff to do. And he mentions that um, Saiyans are the keepers of the primal light and that they must prepare for war. And this is already much more interesting than anything I have seen in Dragon Ball in a long time it makes me want to know more and so as far as writing a hook or writing a new story or getting me interested if they were to just be like all right this is just a whole different rendition of dragon ball and we can do whatever we want i would watch it just because i want to know what this is about like you said i have critiques of how they're doing things but some of it i'm giving the pass because they're trying to do all this in less than 10 minutes and you know, other ones like I, you're right. I don't agree with the Kamehameha with thing just because Vegeta had tried using a final flash on Broly during that fight, but it got interrupted. And so, uh, eh, don't like that. But that's a nitpick, really, because in all honesty, the majority of this this animation is is pretty outstanding, especially for 13 people. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, that for the most part, that takes us to the end. There is a basically an after credits scene as we zoom in on what looks like maybe the moon or some moon, but some distant planet or moon where there's a crater in it. And we can hear the familiar voice 
saying, Kakarot. As it kind of zooms in, we get to see that Broly is still intact. And he's kind of mumbling Kakarot over and over and then switches to saying Vegeta's name, which I think is a pretty cool little character twist for our uh, OG kind of brainless Broly. I mean, it's it's also fun, too, because what if Broly was obsessed with Vegeta? Yeah, I mean, he certainly has better reason to hate vegeta than he does goku in my <laughs> absolutely mind. like what, what what why do you hate kakarot he cried a lot when i was a baby okay okay <laughs> by the way yeah. uh the abridged broly movie fantastic so good <laughs> <laughs> all hail princess trunks um, <laughs> that is my first decree <laughs> But before we get off on a tangent with that, I mean, that that's that's it. That's the animation. It's it's 10 minutes long. It's phenomenal. We spent half an hour talking about it because of how good it is. I I do want to point out, I, I kind of want to go over the things that we liked and didn't like. But I also, before we really dive deep, I wanted to point out, too, the music. Phenomenal. I mean, it, it's it, it's clearly covers or uh, renditions of music throughout Dragon Ball, but they use some of the combat or the fight music from Dragon Ball Super and the Tournament of Power. During Goku's transformation sequence, they use the Super Saiyan 3 transformation music. There are just beautiful nods to Dragon Ball in here that hardcore Dragon Ball fans are going to absolutely love. And the 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 sound design in general was very good because there was nothing that really took me out of the moment, right? Like there was nothing that didn't sound like a key blast or a punch landing or anything like that. And if you have good sound design, you shouldn't notice it. That's kind of a rule of thumb is that it should just work and you shouldn't think about it. And because I wasn't ever taken out of the moment by by their sound design, I at the very least it was good. Um and for a 13 man studio, that's incredible to pull off. Yeah, I mean, I I thought the sound was great. I e- even the like I mentioned the the scene with Chi-Chi's arm being broken it had me cringe. Uh, largely the sound is what did it, but watching her also get thrown to the ground, it really well done. But what are some of your what are what are some of your nitpicks about the the animation or just the show? Well, I mean, the Kamehameha was going to be my big bugaboo because it didn't. In what universe does that make sense? That's very key to Goku's character. It's kind of. I always felt like the Kamehameha wave was supposed to be like his signature move that he learned from Master Roshi, right? Like, I always thought that he was supposed to carry that torch. And so over the years, as everybody starts using Kamehameha's, it just kind of made me upset. Actually, rewatching Dragon Ball, I guess I don't know why I thought that. But, you know, a man can have hope. Um, I suppose another one of my nitpicks that I would say, if I had to make a nitpick, is sometimes on the shots with the characters, they seemed very narrow and thin. There's several shots, including a panning shot when they're looking over the arena, and Goku looks like he's there's no muscle definition. He's very thin. And I'm not a big fan of the super thin characters. It's not a huge thing, but it's just a little nitpick on the, I would say, the less important shots. But at the same time, if I'm going to slam super for it, I I have to be consistent. Yeah, that's fair. I'll have to go back and look for that because I I must have overlooked it. Honestly, I was pretty 
not only did I like the character designs because I liked the the muscle that they put on them, they seemed like they they weren't overly muscular. I mean, obviously Broly's huge, but oh. um, but I actually liked the way that they drew Chi Chi because Chi Chi she seemed a little bit thicker, a little bit beefier, a little bit more mm-hmm. muscular. She had boob physics too. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I I liked the way that they drew her though because she she looked she looked strong. She looked like a fighter, and I I really liked her character. You know, it's funny here. because her her character model, I guess, reminded me a lot of. I never really played the game that much, other than like at arcades. But um, Street Fighter, there's Chun Li. Yeah, it looked like Chun Li a lot. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what Chi Chi reminded me of. But at the same time, like, I do like that when she was fighting, she was planted. She had a style. Like it. She looked like a martial artist when she was standing there. Yeah. And I I mean, man, I'm I'm trying to think of other things that I had that were nitpicks. Like the Kamehameha, and I I I mean, even just a few minutes ago, I tried to justify it. Like there are ways that you could justify it in this world. We had we didn't get to see all of Goku's training. We never get to see Master Roshi. It's a 10-minute video. Like there's a lot of ways that could explain away Vegeta and Goku using the Kamehameha together. But uh, I, I mean, I, part of me too was I was I was mostly like looking closely at the animation because with ten minutes I already knew that their their dedication to a cohesive story was going to be loose at best because that's I don't think that's what they were here for. They do have some interesting ideas that they're bouncing off, but I don't know. I'm not convinced that they have a very thoroughly thought out story behind this. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean it. I, I think I feel the same way you do about a Dayton where I I just didn't necessarily like that. And I think it's just I think it's just ingrained in me as a Dragon Ball fan that Vegeta would never use the Kamehameha. Yeah. I like I said, it's forgivable. Like I'm going to point it out. I'm going to say I don't like that, but it doesn't detract from the experience for me. Yeah. I mean, and really, if that is the biggest complaint that we have. <laughs> Holy shit, you guys did a good job. <laughs> yeah, like, I, not of the cap. Like, all all 13 of you did a fantastic job. This was a joy to watch. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I'm, I'm struggling right now because I'm trying to rack my brain for any other, like, little nitpicks that I had. But they're, they're very few and far between. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the original Broly, but I think he fits perfectly into this movie because we don't have time to explore his character. He's just a brainless thug who's here to beat up Goku and that's that's perfect for this. Yeah, and like I said if they if if there's more animations um if we want to keep on just we're looking for an excuse to fight and just do some cool new things, I'm game. Um but I just I hope that if they do want to lean into story more that they they flesh it out a little bit more and give us a little bit more to chew on sort of thing. Just because I like I said, I think this was more or less a, a an excuse for a bunch of cool Dragon Ball fighting animations and and trying to do something new with Dragon Ball and introducing new ideas. And so I'm not I'm not going to nitpick too much, but I will, you know, if I really hope that something like this could be picked up and turned into something much more fleshed out because it would be a lot of fun to follow. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, I would love to see Toei Animation take some pointers from these guys <laughs> like 
they did a great job in showing speed and showing diversity in combat and showing unique fighting styles and showing uh, strength versus speed. Uh, I mean, it, it it's less than 10 minutes, man. Like, how do you and do we're all not that beating around minutes? the bush about Saiyans being the only relevant people in the world or the universe? <laughs> like, we're, we're going straight to it. Like, don't have hope for anything else. Like, we're putting it out there. Yeah, I mean... Curlin was there. He had one line. That's all he got. <laughs> I mean, he's all about one-liners, so I respect uh, it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> At least he wasn't owned. That's all I care about. That's true. He did not get <laughs> killed in the initial key blast or anything ridiculous. <laughs> oh, shoot. So I guess um, if you had to pick one highlight, like one thing that was your, I guess, your golden moment for this fan-made video, what what would you pick out? What is your favorite thing about it? It's really hard for me to pick just one because they did so many great nods and so much good animation. I mean, to me, it's the fighting. I'm trying to to distill it down to something specific in the fighting, but I I think honestly, it's how it's how dynamic the fighting looks. Like there are there are never repeat sequences. There's never, uh, honestly, I can't think of a single bad moment in the fight, whether it be choreography, animation, slowness, uh, I mean, bad character models. All of it looks phenomenal. But the fact that it is, it's fairly easy to follow. It looks and feels fast. It feels powerful. And each character feels unique. It's, It's really well done. What about you, Dayton? My favorite, I guess, part or the the idea that they introduced was the, I guess, the 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 differences between the fighters as far as technique and skill. And so we see Goku in that bestial form and how differently he fought. We see Vegeta trying to maintain his Super Saiyan form as he takes hits and he loses concentration and gets it back and goes back into the form. I like that they added extra levels of depth to the fighting. I feel like since Dragon Ball, the depth has been kind of dropping off. It's been getting less and less interesting, I guess. But this was a great example of how you can take even, you know, Broly level, quote unquote, legend power level fighters and still have interesting things happening during the fight. Yeah, I agree. I just have... I think one last thing that I want to bring up for the discussion. What do you think Vegeta is talking about when he says that we need to get ready for war? Ooh, that is very interesting. So they were very vague on whether planet Vegeta was blown up or not. And what may have happened to it if it was. And so it's also this this quote about the Saiyans are the keepers of the primal light. And so maybe there's, you know, an, a, an opposite to that. Maybe there's a primal darkness or something like that that may have consumed planet Vegeta. And so Vegeta's out there trying to reunite the Saiyans to push back the darkness or something like that. It, I mean, it implies a lot, and I can only speculate at this point. Yeah. So I, I like your kind of more open and broad interpretation of it because for me my immediate and i think probably the most 
obvious answer is that it's Frieza, that it's somehow some interpretation of Frieza's army, maybe either Frieza controlling them or Frieza coming to destroy them. And that was the first thing that my brain went to, uh, which is... I mean, it's it's cool. In a way, it's kind of like how Raditz came to Earth to recruit Goku, like, see, you know, what the hell is Kakarot doing? Why hasn't he taken over Earth? And, you know, we could use him against Frieza. Uh, so that's the thought process that I went through. But I, I like the idea that you had where it could be something entirely different. Or maybe Frieza is the is the embodiment of what I described. Like that could be there too. Absolutely, yeah. It could be some sort of combination, and even like a a, a reskinning or reinterpretation of Frieza and the Frieza Force. So, well, I mean, if they get right back on it, we should be able to find out in about four years. Yeah, I mean, if people go and support their Patreon, maybe they'll do it in two Ooh, years. That's true. If people support their Patreon, we might be able to find out a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit quicker. So, uh, you know, <laughs> cough, cough, hint, hint. That's right. But, I mean, we've spent 45 minutes on this thing. Did you have anything else that you wanted to discuss about Legend? Oh, no, I think. I mean, honestly, the only thing I'll say is if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's a fan animation. It's probably one of the best ones out there. It's absolutely incredible. But I think that's it for this test run of instant transmission. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, our instant <laughs> reaction of Legend, the Dragon Ball tale. This has been your host, Todd. And Dayton. Be sure to join us next time as we cover the brand new something? This is a whole new format for us in response to Dragon Ball. Yeah, so... We'll try it again whenever we deem it appropriate for new Dragon Ball media. But also, again, be sure to check out Studio Stray Dogs' other work on YouTube and support them via Patreon. They absolutely deserve it after the incredible feature that is Legend. What will we instant react to next? Find out uh, next time. And to all our Dragon Ball fans, stay safe out there. And remember to keep rocking the dragon. Why do they keep kicking me in the deck? <laughs>